The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Uh, Good day to all in our injured senior, elderly, and aging population community. This is Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and you are listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. The Injured Senior Podcast, for those uh, listening today for the first time, is a podcast dedicated to discussing medical and legal issues of vital importance to injured seniors and elders, as well as to their children, loved ones, and caregivers. We are sponsored by the National Injured Senior Law Center. If you uh, or a loved one, senior, and elder has been injured by the negligence of a medical professional, a nursing home, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, or others, Get in touch with the National Injured Senior Law Center at www.injuredseniorhotline.com or 877-228-4878. We can help. So we have done several episodes on the ravaging effects of Alzheimer's on our senior and elderly communities and their loved ones. Uh, we've also talked to Dr. Rain uh, Tidixar on the show previously to talk about falls in our senior and elderly communities, especially long-term care facilities, and how to prevent them. Today, Dr. Rain, as he likes to be called, is back on the show to talk about Alzheimer's disease and its connection to falling. Now, Dr. Rain, ladies and gentlemen, is the president of Fall Prevent LLC, a consulting company that provides educational, legal, and marketing services related to fall prevention in the elderly. Uh, Dr. Rain is a gerontologist, a healthcare professional who specializes in working with elderly patients and a geriatric physician's assistant. Uh, He's been active in fall prevention for over 30 years. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Rain. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure having you, Doctor. Uh, you're in New Jersey, so how's the weather out there? It's been uh, cold and snowy here in Baltimore. Yeah, we've had a little bit of snow. I had uh, earlier this week about 20 inches to dig out of. That's that's a little bit. <laughs> that's more yeah. than me. Um, all right, so how common are falls generally in the senior and elderly communities uh, due to Alzheimer's? Well, out in the community, about one-third of older people over the age of 65 fall per year, and of course that uh, number or percentage increases as one gets older. Now, when you get to talking about Alzheimer's disease, a uh, form of dementia, the uh, percentage of falls increases to about 50%. So, therefore, those individuals who have Alzheimer's disease, about 50% will experience one or more falls per year. And are there certain 
risk factors uh, that are common amongst Alzheimer patients for falls. Yeah, when you when you look at the general older population and in terms of fall risk, the, the biggest problems are cognitive problems, uh, problems with walking, balance, those types of things, also side effects from uh, multiple medications. But when we're talking about uh, Alzheimer's disease, there are specific cognitive and systemic effects that place individuals at risk. So, for example, in terms of the cognitive, um, people will have a lack of understanding and awareness of their potential for falls. Uh, judgmental errors, such as inability to recognize a difference between a safe and a hazardous environmental situation. Um, overestimation of one's ability for safe mobility. Uh, thinking, oh, I can do this, uh, I can walk here without a cane or a walker, and they lose their balance and they fall. Failing to rem remember limitations and daily activities, such as forgetting that they can't walk by themselves and that they need a caregiver to, to help them. Insistence on performing activities such as attempting to, to get out of bed despite the presence of, of side rails or going to the toilet, even though they're unable to do though independently. I think those are some of the, um, the cognitive problems that are associated with it. Then you have, in terms of gait or the, the way you walk and balance that are affected as well in terms of uh, the disease. Um, that people... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that it sounds like that as far as uh, the cognitive factor, uh, it really just comes down to confusion. Am, am I, am, is it sounding like that um, most uh, people living with Alzheimer's who fall a lot of times when it's a cognitive issue, it just, it's, it's confusion. They're confused that they, like, I, I thought I could walk, but I can't walk or I, I don't know that that guardrail is there. Or I'm not recognizing it. Is that accurate or sort of accurate? Right. So, so, so what it really is is confusion, but also in terms of a lack of uh, immediate or short-term memory, that they, they can't remember that they can't walk safely, or they, or they can't remember that they need to use a cane or a walker, or they have to call for assistance to help them with something like that. They attempt to do it themselves, and in the process, they lose their balance, and they fall or they trip over something uh, on the ground. Right. Is it more common amongst people with early onset, uh, or is it more common amongst uh, people who are in the later stages of Alzheimer's? I think it's more common with uh, late stages of, of Alzheimer's because what you have is a layering of age-related changes that occur and general risk factors that, that happen, and then you have the Alzheimer's on top of it, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. You were going to go, I guess, into the systemic effects part of uh, the common injury uh, risk factors. Right. So in terms of difficulty walking and, and balance, that's all there. But the other thing that really places uh, individuals at risk for injury if they fall is some of the uh, visual uh, aspects of it, is that in Alzheimer's disease, they have a restriction of the visual fields, you know, loss of peripheral vision, seeing side to side. They have difficulty in terms of the visual spatial function. Um, 
in, in terms of uh, inability to match and integrate the position of oneself with their surrounding environment, uh, decline in depth perception, loss of contrast sensitivity, agnosia, which is decreased ability to recognize similar uh, objects and places. All these things as well uh, compound uh, the risk of falls and injury in Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, I, I did not know that, that uh, there were spatial issues or uh, the visual fields of uh, people living with Alzheimer's uh, were compromised. Uh, and, and you're saying that that is, uh, that is definitely a big factor as well. Oh, yeah. No, it's very common. It's very common. Got it. Um, so are there common risk factors uh, for falls for people with Alzheimer's? Um, as far as additional uh, risk factors, as far uh, regarding what you just so were talking about. Well, uh, if I were to discuss, you know, in terms of what kind of uh, strategies that caregivers could use in terms of dealing with Alzheimer's disease and the risk factors, I think the three major risk factors are mobility, cognition, and behavior. So therefore, if mobility becomes uh, poor, cognition, people become much more confused, behavioral problems in terms of wandering, agitation, these kinds of things, those are the big risk factors for falls. And I think that once you notice difficulties with one's mobility or their thinking, cognition, and behavior, that's when it's time to get an evaluation by a uh, physician. So, for instance, in terms of cognition, uh, we often think, geez, you, see, you know, the memory, my, uh, my father or my mother's memory is becoming worse and everything like that. It must be Alzheimer's disease. There's not much I can do about it. The reality is, is that we can do a lot of things to reverse what's going on. So when a patient comes to me with memory loss, what I do is I evaluate uh, what's going on inside to look for reversible causes. For instance, in terms of medications, is there a side effect that's causing this cognitive problem? Are they depressed? Is there some kind of a metabolic problem uh, with blood glucose and other uh, aspects in terms of the sodium and calcium that might be leading to this cognitive problem? Um, their nutrition, uh, do they have an underlying infection? Do they have some kind of other trauma, for instance, head trauma from a previous fall that's leading to confusion? Do they have some kind of a problem with arrhythmia or low blood pressure? All these things can lead to confusion and they're readily treatable, which could actually lessen the severity of the confusion. Now, are they, are they doing these type of uh, uh, investigations as far as uh, what you just uh, were speaking about, as far as all the different health potential health issues or medication issues are in your opinion are, are, are they doing this sufficiently say like in long-term care facilities uh, because uh, and I would think that there are uh, probably a good amount of, of people living with Alzheimer's uh, that are in long-term care facilities is that correct Right. I think in, when you get to uh, facilities uh, in terms of nursing homes and assisted living facilities, yes, that they all have uh, geriatricians or physicians with experience in working with elderly people who are in charge 
and they would look for these things, hopefully. Uh, but out in the community, it might be a, another factor. And uh, most individuals with uh, early stage Alzheimer's and everything like that uh, are living in the community. They only go into a nursing home is when they have really difficulty in terms of uh, unable to walk, maintain their balance. They have problems with urinary incontinence, et cetera, et cetera. So most of the individuals with uh, Alzheimer's uh, do live out in the, in the community. And so the question is, do regular doctors look at these things? Not always. Um, the best thing that, that caregivers can do is hook up with uh, doctors that are geriatricians, you know, people, doctors who have had special training in taking care of older people. Right. So, and the geriatricians, uh, obviously, they know what to look for. So you just take, if a caregiver or a child uh, of uh, a senior living with Alzheimer's brings uh, their parent or the person they're caring for to a geriatrician, that geriatrician, does, does he have to, or she have to be a specialist in, in, in Alzheimer's or, or is it any geriatrician usually will know? What no, and, and any geriatrician, because they're, they're training, uh, they cover all the, the basics of uh, Alzheimer's disease. And it's just not individuals who have documented Alzheimer's disease, because what happens with aging is that ability to, um, to recall things and memory decline. So a lot of, you know, normal age people without Alzheimer's may think, Jesus, maybe do I have early Alzheimer's happening or something like that? They'll go in for an evaluation and uh, the doctor should or the geriatrician will look for all these reversible causes uh, first before saying, oh, you have a diagnosis of uh, Alzheimer's disease. Got it. Now, uh, is there certain uh, things that uh, caregivers or family members can do for uh, a senior living with Alzheimer's um, in the home environment uh, to cut down the risk of, uh, of falls other than uh, in addition to bringing, um, bringing you know, that person to a geriatrician for an evaluation? Right, because the geriatrician isn't going to go to the home. Generally, they don't. Uh, a few of them uh, will do home visits and everything like that. But, you know, home visits are uh, time-consuming, and uh, people don't get paid for that. Um, so a lot of the burden of looking at the environment falls on caregivers uh, to do. And I think the, the most important thing to remember is if, uh, and, and what I always tell, you know, my colleagues and everything is that if I've seen one person with Alzheimer's disease, I've seen one person with Alzheimer's disease. Each are individual and each are all different. And so how do you deal with environmental problems? And there are a host of environmental problems with floor surfaces, lighting, bathrooms, stairs, the kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you start? You can't change everything and you don't want to change everything because when you do, you change the familiar and you make people much more confused. So the best thing to do is treat people as individuals and ask them to just or observe them walking around within the environment and see how the environment provides safety for them or hinders their safety. Uh, how do they uh, go from uh, room to room? Do they hold on to furnishings? If they do, that's okay, as long as the furnishings are stable and they don't slide away. Uh, if they're using a walker or a cane, are they using this safely? 
How about the floor surfaces? We talked about some of the changes with gait or ambulation. What happens generally with people with Alzheimer's, they take short steps. They don't lift their feet as high as, uh, as we do. So therefore, any kind of thick carpeting or door sills can become uh, tripping hazards. Um, in the bathroom, how do they uh, get in and out of the tub or the shower, on and off the, the toilet? All these things. So therefore, once you see that there are safety problems with an activity, then you uh, apply some type of uh, modifications. Now, do you would, would somebody bring in uh, a company such as yours, like Fall Prevent, to do that type of evaluation? Or oh yeah, no, I've, I've done I've done literally I don't know hundreds and hundreds of them. Absolutely. Okay. Now, for individuals who don't have access to to you or to Fall Prevent, which is in New Jersey, someone's out in Oregon or something like that, um, could they find a geriatric care manager that might be able to do that, or w what do you recommend? Yeah, geriatric care managers should be able to do that. Uh, the other thing is that you do have geriatric uh, occupational therapists and physical therapists as well who can do that. Okay. What do you say, what do you think uh, in, in the home environment is probably, and I, get, and I understand you said if you met one person with Alzheimer's, you've met one person with Alzheimer's. So I know that every situation is unique, but is there maybe one uh, common or, you know, the one that you see the most as far as uh, trip hazards uh, for Alzheimer's uh, in, um, in, you know, in, in, in the home environment? Well, the tripping hazards is 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 uh, it's a it's it's a big problem that's for sure. But I think the biggest problem that that I encounter is in terms of trips to the bathroom. And one of the things that happens with with aging is that the kidneys and the bladder don't work as efficiently, and people wind up going to the bathroom maybe six, seven, eight different times at night. And generally, what happens is you're getting up at night in a dark bedroom and then walking to the bathroom, uh, wherever the toilet is, and you're going down a dark hallway and everything like that. And we know that if there isn't sufficient light coming in, that one's balance gets uh, impaired as well. And we know already with Alzheimer's that vision is impaired and balance is impaired. So that's where a lot of falls occur. And then once you get into the bathroom is, of course, uh, getting on and off the, the, the toilet in terms of uh, for males urinating. These are all very, very hazardous uh, activities. So if this is a problem in terms of getting up at night and going to the bathroom and everything like that, what you want to do is try to mitigate the, the risk. And generally... A lot of this depends on what the cognitive ability of the person is. If they have some cognition in terms of understanding, what you might do is provide a bedside commode during the night so they don't have to travel all the way to the bathroom. Uh, if they have cognitive impairment that they don't understand their disabilities or their inability to do the task safely, then it's up to a caregiver who has to be alerted that they're getting up from bed and they need assistance going to the uh, the bathroom. Yeah, so it seems like it's a pretty involved issue and uh, a caregiver or a family member really, really has to take this very seriously because uh, 
Um, I, I think you talked about this uh, in, in the last episode that I had you on, uh, that when they fall, it, it's not pretty. I mean, we were talking hip fractures and, and femur fractures. Is, is that right? Because, because everything in the bathroom is hard. It's hard uh, porcelain and everything like that. And the other important point about um, particularly the bathroom and the Alzheimer's disease is that that the older person with Alzheimer's might not be able to learn a new task. So if you want to provide grab bars or other uh, apparatus to the toilet to assist with the activity, the individual might not understand what the use of these things are. So whenever you're doing a modification like that, you also want to observe, does the person really now use this modification? Is it really going to be safe for them? Or is this going to be an additional hazard? Thank you for that. That's good information, Dr. Ng. Um, do you have uh, any additional strategies that you can share with our listeners uh, to prevent falls for people living with uh, Alzheimer's disease? Well, another uh, behavioral problem, I did the behavioral problems, I think the major ones that I've seen clinically are wandering, agitation, and a thing that's called sundowning. And sundowning is uh, a term that refers to individuals who are cognitively okay during the day. You know, they're manageable, but during the late afternoon, they become much more uh, confused. And that's why they call it sundowning. And from my experience, the reason for this is that uh, people get tired. And when they get tired and fatigued, they become much more confused. So therefore, if, this, if sundowning is happening, what you want to do is to let people take naps during the day so they're not so tired uh, later in the day. Uh, wandering is another big problem. Um, wandering outside, wandering in the middle of the night, et cetera, et cetera, is you always want to look at the root cause of any kind of behavioral problem. What's causing the wandering? Are they looking for food? Are they looking for activity? Are they looking for toilet? Uh, what What's causing the, the wandering and everything like that? The same thing with agitation. So whenever there's a behavioral problem, you want to look at the what is the underlying cause for all of this? Is there a medication that, that's doing this? Uh, those kinds of things to, to look at. Is there any type so of medication... Any, I'm sorry. Okay. Any type of medic? Is there any type of medication uh, that might be a little more hazardous uh, as far as? Uh, uh, yeah, as, far well, as any 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 of the psychotropic medications in terms of antidepressants that are being given to individuals and also antipsychotic medications to control behavior. Uh, all of these are fraught with all sorts of side effects that can lead to confusion. Uh, but again, uh, depending on how many different other diseases individuals have, they could be taking all sorts of different medications. So all medications, they need to be on a regular basis in terms of uh, looking at side effects. And for instance, when I have uh, my patients, basically, if they're on medications, uh, if they're on medication X, Y, and Z, for each of those medications, I say for medication X, these are the main side effects you should look for. Same for medication Y or Z. These are the two or three things you want to look at. If these things are happening, give me a call. Got it. 
Got it. That's good information. Because you have to remember that caregivers haven't gone to medical school or nursing school and everything like that. So you have to be, you have to simplify things for, for people. And they have to feel comfortable in terms of what they're, they're doing. They can't be, you know, reading the, uh, or looking at the internet, what all the side effects are all the time. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's part of having a good practitioner, patient, family relationship and everything like that. Yeah, I've got, I've got parents that are 88 and uh, 85. My, my dad's 88. My mom's 85. They don't have, thankfully, they don't have any type of dementia or Alzheimer's. But there's a lot of responsibilities as far as, uh, you know, just if, if they become impaired or, or unable to, uh, you know, to function, there's a lot of things, a lot of responsibilities that, that go into taking care of them. And I would think that that would just be, really multiplied uh, if, if they had Alzheimer's as well. So I, I think the information that you're giving uh, is important because uh, would you agree that caregivers for the most part could really, if they're not, uh, they don't have sufficient uh, assistance from uh, a, a geriatric care manager or the like, that they could be overmatched? Yeah, no, I think the, I think, uh, the relationship between, you know, caregivers and the, the doctors or practitioners that are involved is absolutely crucial. And if they don't have a good relationship, that becomes a risk factor in itself. Well, that is just great information, Dr. Rain. I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us. Uh, how can our listeners, uh, connect with you, uh, if they wish to, uh, do you have, are you available or uh, do you have social media that they can get you on or what's the best way? To the get best you? way to connect with me uh, is basically through my email, which is uh, drrain at verizon.net. That's D-R-R-E-I-N at verizon.net. Uh, again, thanks, Dr. Rain. Any last parting remarks that you'd like to make uh, about falls and Alzheimer's disease in general? I think the, the most uh, important thing is, is that if you are taking care of an individual with Alzheimer's disease, it's a, it's a difficult uh, task, that's for sure. But if there's a silver lining is that there are a lot of problems that uh, occur, which we have covered in terms of mobility, the environment, and confusion and everything like that, that are actually reversible so that we can manage individuals at home. And so the most important thing is to get uh, competent uh, practitioners involved. Um, if you go to see a doctor and they say, oh, your mother has memory loss, well, they have Alzheimer's disease, there's not much we can do. No, go to somebody else, get a second and third opinion, because there are a lot of things that we can do. Um, in terms of uh, making life better for the individual with Alzheimer's and also the caregiver. I thank you, Dr. Rain. You have yourself a wonderful day, and we're going to have you back on real, real soon. Okay, thank you. You got it. Injured Senior and Aging Population Community, thanks for listening to today's episode. I want to again thank Dr. Rain for appearing on the show today. Uh, he gave us just some great, great information that I'm sure we can all use. Uh, if you love the Injured Senior Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on any of your 
um, platforms uh, that you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you want to share your story on an upcoming show, feel free to email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. Uh, I answer all emails. You could also leave a message if you go to our website, www.injuredseniorpodcast.com. Well, it's been a great episode. I'm looking forward to talking with you again next week. Stay warm if you're living on the East Coast. Stay safe, and I will talk to you then. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.